good afternoon. And uh, thank you to Pamela, the uh, Wilhelm Petersma, who's the store manager for London Drugs, Shandon Saga, who is a London Drugs pharmacist, and everyone at London Drugs for hosting us here today. I'd also like to thank Margaret Wing, CEO of the Alberta Pharmacists Association, for joining Minister Jason Copping and me for today's announcement. For months, I heard gut-wrenching gut stories from frustrated parents who can't access children's pain and fever medication for their young ones. I've read letters from parents overwhelmed trying to care for their children with fevers and coughs, trying to prevent symptoms from getting worse, and desperate for them to be able to sleep through the night. Parents across the province know what it's like to wake up in the middle of the night to their children coughing and how helpless they feel being unable to provide them with relief. And I've heard stories of parents asking friends traveling to the United States and Mexico to pick them up a few bottles of pain and fever medicine to ensure they're prepared for these scenarios. We know parents would do absolutely anything to help treat their sick kids. And I want Albertans to know that I will too. So in December, in response to the national shortage of children's pain and fever medication, our government began taking steps to address the shortages of these medications in our province. Not only has this shortage been extremely stressful for families, but anxious parents saw that their only option was to take their children to the hospital, contributing to long wait times and placing another pressure on our healthcare system. Over the past few months, Alberta's government and Alberta Health Services worked with Atabay Pharmaceuticals to secure children's pain and fever medication and make it available to every family across the province. It has been a painstaking, rigorous process, and it's taken longer than we'd hoped for. But today, I'm pleased to announce that the wait is over. Help is now here. Children's acetaminophen is now available for distribution to local pharmacies, and we hope this brings much-needed peace of mind to parents everywhere, and parents can feel confident that we have secured a stable supply of this medication for years to come, ensuring that Alberta isn't as susceptible to global supply chain disruptions in the future. I want parents to know that your government has heard you, and I truly hope that this supply will provide a little bit more comfort and relief to you and your families. I'd, I'd now like to invite Minister Jason Copping to give you more details. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Premier. As the Premier noted, uh, we are pleased that Alberta families now have access to a steady supply of Peril brand children's acetaminophen and can better care for their sick children at home. We have received about one-third of our total Health Canada approved shipment of 750,000 bottles of Peril brand medication. This additional supply will complement the first shipment of 250,000 bottles, which was made available to hospitals to further stabilize the supply of our, in our health system. I'm also happy to announce that on the first shipment of children's ibuprofen from Atabay has arrived and is in the quarantine process. Manufactured under the brand name Pedifin, this medication has been approved by Health Canada and will be on store shelves as soon as it has cleared the same process as a Peril brand acetaminophen. Parents and caregivers can be assured that these medications are as effective and meet the same safety standards as other brands they are used to seeing in the store. Health Canada applies these same high standards to all medication imported into Canada. Peril Children's Pain and Fever medication can now be purchased at community pharmacies throughout the province. Please ask your pharmacist about this medication as it will be kept behind the counter. 
The two remaining shipments of Perol acetaminophen will be arriving later this month, as well as the remaining shipment of Pedifin ibuprofen. Watching your child struggle when they are sick can cause significant stress and anxiety, not only on the child, but on parents as well. This is especially true when you know a cheap medication you normally have on hand is not so easy to buy. As a parent myself, I, I fully understand this. So I want Albertans to know that their government took the actions necessary to ensure a stable supply for as long as a worldwide shortage will last. Parents can be assured that Perol and Pedifin will be available where and when they need it. Together, we believe these shipments will serve the needs of parents and caregivers in our province for as long as the shortage lasts. This supply will be sufficient to meet the immediate needs of Alberta families in the months ahead, whether they need to break a fever or relieve pain from an injury for their children. I hope the knowledge that this medication is available right now relieves the worry and frustrations parents have been experiencing. I recognize it has been challenging for everyone and it has taken a little longer than we hoped for for it to arrive. I know that today's news makes the days ahead easier and worrying about having access to these over-the-counter medications is now a thing of the past. So with that, I'll now turn things over to Margaret Wing, CEO of the Alberta Pharmacist Association. Thank you. Margaret. Thank you, Premier Smith and Minister Copping, for inviting me to participate in today's announcement. Probably the last thing a parent of a sick child wants to hear is that there isn't any medication available to treat their child's pain or fever. Over the last several months, this has been the reality faced by many parents, not only in Alberta, but across Canada. As pharmacies continue to face medication shortages across many categories of therapeutic products, children's acetaminophen included. Fortunately, in many instances, pharmacists are able to use their expertise and unique scope of practice to mitigate the impact of this shortage by acquiring bulk medication, bulk supplies, and sourcing raw material ingredients prescribing alternative medications, and compounding medication. These are just some of the many ways that parents and caregivers in Alberta benefit from having a pharmacist that is able to meet some of their primary care needs at the local community level. Well, currently the supply of some of the pediatric medications has stabilized. However, we're still experiencing some areas in the province where these medications are still hard to find and there are supply challenges and inconsistencies in stocks. So certainly today's announcement helps greatly. I'd also like to thank and acknowledge Alberta's 6,000 pharmacists who are out there meeting many primary patient care needs and who continue to manage medication shortages by finding alternatives and who provide an additional point of care for access for those Albertans that end up that cannot otherwise find healthcare providers. Thank you, and I'd like to introduce Shandon, the pharmacist here, who would like to tell you a little bit more about the medication. Thank you, Margaret. Uh, so since the latter half of last year, as I'm sure many of you are aware, um, there's been a supply chain issue. There's been shortages of fever and pain medication for, ch for children across the board. 
as pharmacists on the front line, we've seen it firsthand where we've had parents coming in stressed and frustrated where they can't find you know, the medication that they need to treat their sick children. And, and it puts a, a strain on a lot of our hearts because you see them coming in and there's not a whole lot that we could do. The nice thing, though, is here within Alberta as pharmacists and frontline caretakers, we have a unique scope of practice that allowed us to provide them with you know, alternative regimens, getting compounded medications formulated. Um, so we did have a lot of flexibility and ability to try to help them as much as we can, but there was only so much we could do without having the stock there. So as you can imagine, like us being accessible as well allowed us to help patients as much as possible. We were getting questions from the time that we'd open to the time that we close, whether it was a weekend, an evening, it, it didn't matter. Uh, you could probably ask every pharmacist in the country what the number one question they received during this time was, and it was, do you have any children's Tylenol or Advil? And unfortunately, a lot of the times the answer was no. So having another supplier come in, someone like Peril, so just to show, this is what the bottle looks like there. Just a little orange. We'll open it up. The nice thing is, so it does come with, you know, you've got a glass-resistant bottle, and then you also do get a little dosing syringe as well. So that's what it looks like. At the same time, so if people do feel uncomfortable using these type of uh, you know, dosing spoons, don't hesitate. You can always come in and speak to pharmacy staff. We have oral syringes that you might be a little bit more used to using, uh, and we can provide you one of those uh, as well to try to make it a little bit easier for you to, to provide this to your children. At the same time, we've also got signage. So at each pharmacy, you'll be able to see a sign like this, and that should let you know that, hey, you know what? Pharmacies do have the stock that you require. The main benefit here, again, is uh, you're not going to have to deal with sick, and sick children and, and stressed out parents. and uh, it, it's always nice to know that there's something that we can do and we can try to reduce restrictions. There's not going to be limits anymore in terms of, you know, one bottle per patient. So uh, an announcement like this is, is huge in, in providing children and, and parents with the, the relief they need. Is this on? Can you hear me? All right, uh, that ends our formal uh, section of the announcement. We'll go to Q&A. We'll hit the reporters on or in person first on topic questions first um name uh outlet and one follow-up and then we'll hit the phones go ahead hey there Elliot from Op City News uh this order of medication will be sitting tucked away behind the counters while other products can easily be found on shelves what is the shelf life on this order and how much will it be retailing for so the uh the shelf life is two years uh, on the order, the uh, we made a commitment to Alberta that it would be, you know, in the range of what you're paying for, you know, what they're paying for right now. That the actual final price will be actually nailed down by the the, the uh, pharmacies themselves. Uh, but the government will be uh, uh, subsidizing the uh, the bottles and uh, in, ter in terms of the cost to make sure that it's in the same price range. Okay, so after those bottles are sold, then how much will the taxpayer be fronting for us? Yeah, so the total, we, we, we haven't nailed that down yet. The total cost, uh, as we indicated in estimates, would be, you know, $80 million on the expense side. Now, but when you take a look at the the actual cost, we'll, we're subsidizing ballpark figures, you know, 50% uh, of the uh, the cost of the of the bottle. So give you a frame of reference, around $14 is, a, is the, uh, the total cost. There will be, you know, $1.5 million uh, for Alberta. Uh, the rest of the uh, the rest of the order, uh, we are in conversations now with uh, with other provinces to see you know what they need, and so you know um, we'll be able to get revenue from them should they choose to go forward with this. So we'll have to you know, we'll have to go uh, work through that. Uh, plus, there's other opportunities for us to be able to defray the cost. So I haven't got all the the dollars associated with that right now, um, but we will continue to work to minimize the cost. But what, you know what's really important here is we know we needed, and we heard this loud and clear. 
um, from Alberta parents is needing to have access. We have a supply now, and we have a supply now for a couple of years. The, the supply chain still remains uncertain, even though the federal government did bring in some more models. It, it, it quite frankly, isn't enough. I was just in the store in Calgary and still had to go behind the, the counter to actually pick up some uh, uh, some, uh, you know, a bottle of, uh, of pain reliever. So, you know, there still is demand for that. It, what's important is that we get into the hands of Albertans, and that's why I'm so pleased that the uh, the shipments have arrived and now they've hit the stores. the advocacy I ever did was always in public. I wrote letters, I did columns, I did podcasts, I spoke publicly. Every, um, so I'm, I'm a bit of a known quantity about the kind of things that I advanced. And I, I think that the, the issue that is of great concern to me is I've been watching this since I was a landowner advocate in 1997, watching energy companies year after year push forward the liability. Many of the people who have the liability today aren't the people who created the liability. And here we are with, uh, with, a, with thousands of wells that are inactive, have been inactive for decades, and has, no, ha, and has no real plan to clean them up. So that's been my overriding concern, is how do we make sure that landowners can have the certainty that these inactive well sites are going to be cleaned up? So there's a couple of things that um, has happened in the meantime. Number one, there was a billion dollars that came in from the federal government in the site rehabilitation program, which unfortunately still did not address the worst well sites. And we've also put in a mandatory spend. So every energy company is required to clean up 3% of their liabilities with their own money. This year, it's going to be $740 million. They pay out of their own pocket to clean up their own liability, and that is going to increase year after year. What uh, we're looking at is, does there need to be a particular program to address these worst wells? The wells that have been flare pits and sumps and have been sitting there for for 50 or, or 60 years on, that have not been cleaned up. That's what the energy minister is uh, consulting on. It's a very um, small uh, portion of the overall wells that he's looking at, but the major part of the cleanup is going to be the required spend of $740 million per year. You know, there's there's lots of priorities that we have right now. I feel pretty confident that the $740 million mandatory spend that uh, we brought in at the beginning of this year is going to go a long way to cleaning up a lot of the wells. We didn't want to lose some of the momentum that came off the site rehabilitation program because there are a lot, now a large number of environmental companies that have set up, a large number of indigenous companies. And 
so we have we have heard from that group that they want to make sure that the we don't lose the momentum of well site cleanup. It's a uh, just looking at the liability that the AER has put forward. It's about thirty billion dollars of inactive wells that are sitting there that need to be cleaned up. So we've got to clean them up. We can't just keep pushing it forward. Hi there, uh, Matt Woodman, CTV News. Uh, my first question is for the Premier. Uh, last week, sadly, we had two Edmonton police oh. officers killed on the job. Over the weekend on your radio show, you released details of the funeral, and some Edmontonians felt that was a little premature to do. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to do that without the family signing off on it first? You know, I was, I was arranging my schedule. I made a mistake in the, um, uh, in the date. We'll just have to wait for Edmonton Police Service to finalize those details. But I think that uh, all of us are heartbroken to see two fallen officers in the line of duty. And I know that, all, that many people are going to, to want to honour the families together. Was that something you regretted doing? The, you, you know, the, I, I think that the, uh, the, the main issue is that all of us are celebrating together. As soon as I found out, I made sure that we lowered the flags and I wanted some idea of, um, of when the, the funeral would be so that we could all celebrate together. Can I get one more for the health minister? One more oh, question? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Copping, um, families in the province are currently also facing a baby formula shortage. Is there anything the province is going to do possibly similar to this, the, uh, this acetaminophen announcement that you're going to do to try and help shore up that shortage? Yeah, we're, we're currently working with the uh, the federal government to understand the, the impact uh, of that. Uh, we haven't made any decisions yet at, at this point in time, but we're working with the feds to make sure that they can do that. I, and, you know, I, I did, would like to comment, you know, out to uh, to Alberta parents, um, you know, if they have concerns and they can't find it, you know, online, you know, call 811. Um, you know, my understanding is that, you know, could, you could, you know, speak to a, a dietitian so who can also give you some other uh, other options. And, and I, my, I've been told as well that AHS is looking at seeing if they can develop a list to say, okay, here's where we know it is. Uh, but we continue to work with the feds and, and uh, we'll, we'll take it from there. Thanks. All right, operator, let's go to the first caller. Thank you. Rick Bell, Calgary Sun. Uh, good, a- good afternoon, uh, everybody, and uh, my question is for the Premier, and my question is further to her comments about the Commonwealth Games that was made on the radio show. Uh, Premier, given the fact that the people behind the bid say they've been working on this for three or four years already, but yet we only heard about it very recently, and we still, don't ha- we ha- still haven't seen a plan, and summer isn't that far off away when a lot of people go away on vacation, and it seems like a very much a rush job to get approval for this particular games proposal, which we haven't even seen anything about. So what is your sense of that? Because they, they told us when they rolled this out in Calgary that they've been working on it largely since after the failed Olympic bid. And yet here they are. They still haven't provided us with anything. And... It's making it more and more difficult to have a plebiscite because of that. The, um, the as I understand it, uh, the for, the former premier had uh, given a an mo a memorandum of understanding that they would that the government would consider looking at a proposal, but it was sort of contingent on what happened in Hamilton. Hamilton was the the bid that was uh, that was being considered first, I think, by the Can- Canadian committee that dis- determines. Uh, what the uh, preferred bid is. 
uh, Hamilton didn't go ahead, at which point we um, fielded some inquiries. It, uh, we understood that Calgary was interested in putting forward some money to see the bid go to the next stage. Edmonton was interested in putting forward some money to see it go to the next stage. The uh, the, the, the national partner was uh, making this the preferred bid, and so they were prepared to put forward $2 million. So it was really up to us, and I tend to like to see a proposal before I make a decision on it. I think most Albertans do too. So we wanted to make sure that the that they had at least a, the, the initial amount of money so that they could scope that out, tell us what it looks like, tell us what the uh, event centers are that they're going to need to upgrade, tell us what the um, what the uh, potential revenues are, tell us how many, uh, what the future benefit is going to be. I mean, it has to be a really solid business case. And that's what we're looking for. We, we felt like, um, since there seemed to be so much enthusiasm from Calgary and Edmonton to proceed to this next stage of looking at it, we, we felt like it was a, at least worth it to take a look. So that it's back in their court now. And so I'll be interested in seeing the, the business case. And it'll be up to Albertans to give us the feedback on whether they think that it's going to be good enough. And I think we just should keep an open mind as they go through the process. Okay, and, and that's a, uh, that segues to my question. Uh, I'm just having flashbacks as you're speaking, Premier, about the idea of enthusiasm. There was such enthusiasm in Calgary, overwhelming for the Olympics. And when it actually went to a plebiscite, as you know, it was more than 56% saying no. So I, I just wonder whose enthusiasm it was that we were being told about. But that being said, would you be comfortable signing off on an allocation of provincial taxpayer money without not we're not talking about citizens having some eight o'clock at night input at some little open house we're talking about citizens having a vote not feedback a vote on this uh, I, would you be comfortable signing off if we weren't able to or we weren't going to get a vote well i need to i need I to I need to I see know what, what the, the answer was for the former premier a few years ago. Yeah. Well, I know what the I have to see what the the numbers look like. This this is a a joint bid between Calgary, Edmonton. I think it involves Sutina and perhaps Enoch also Canmore. So there's a lot more municipalities involved, which I think creates a little bit more of a complication, but of course they'd have to make a solid business case and you'd, we'd have to see that the public was behind it. That's that's going to be pretty key. We wouldn't want to go forward with something that doesn't have broad-based support. And so I just want to see what the what the details look like. And that's they've got a lot of work to do. And so I'm looking forward to, to seeing what the report looks like. All right, operator, next caller, please. Thank you. Matthew Black, Edmonton Journal. Oh, hello, Health Minister. Um, this these drugs you're unveiling today, they're coming from a Turkish company. Uh, can you tell me how many other bids there were for this contract? Yeah, so there weren't other bids. We, we actually went out looking for uh, supply, and uh, this was in the, the only uh, company that we can actually secure supply because there's a, a shortage uh, around the world. And, in fact, uh, we are the only contract, external contract, that uh, they have actually signed uh, outside of uh, of Turkey, my understanding is they actually, um, you know, this is the contract they're they're willing to sign and move forward with it, but they're not willing to uh, uh, to do additional um, uh, production uh, outside of uh, of this agreement. So this this was one that we 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 went looking for because we knew there was an issue uh, associated with supply. Uh, we know we know we knew we needed to actually get it as quickly as possible. And uh, and thanks again to uh, the folks at AHS um, for you know. Uh, reaching out, uh, finding the supplier, and then making this agreement. Do you have a follow-up, Matt? 
uh, the minister mentioned the $80 million cost. Uh, you previously said, previously said $10 million of that is for administration, transportation, and uh, waste disposal. I was curious, what waste are we disposing of, and, and why does it seem to cost so much? Yeah, so the, uh, the, the $10 million is overall in terms of, of the uh, um, cost, actually, to, to bring it in. Uh, and also, because there's, there's shipment costs associated with all of that, the actual $70 million associated with the actual product itself. Uh, and then, you know, there there is some estimates that has been that have been given in terms of, you know, if we uh, if we actually can't uh, be able to sell it, uh, but that's at a very high level in terms of that. The vast majority of my understanding of that is is actually shipping costs. All right, operator, next caller, please. Thank you, Sarah Reed, Global News. Hi there, thanks for taking my call. Um, my uh, question is for the Premier. Um, just with regards to the federal um, in federal government announcement this morning regarding the curl um, leak. So First Nations and Environment and Climate Change Canada now saying that the seepage is harmful to fish and that it's gotten into the ecosystem. Um, you mentioned the other week that there is no concern and that um, wildlife, drinking water, things like that have not been impacted. Um, I guess, are you able to speak to where you're getting that information? Um, because now I guess First Nations and the federal government are saying otherwise. Well, I can read to you from the federal government's press release. Sampling is underway by multiple parties, and recent tests to date show the water is safe, potable, and meets Canadian drinking water standards. They are Indigenous Services Canada is working with First Nations communities and partners on the provision of water. I think some of that is because there's so much misinformation that has is out there that it has created a certain level of anxiety. I note that they're having... Uh, mental health supports as well. And that is exactly what we wanted to avoid. We, um, I'm, I put pressure on the company and AER to get out there very quickly after I discovered this to make people know that the drinking water was safe because I know exactly how, how concerned people are to believe that there might be something wrong with their drinking water. So I think now, uh, unfortunately, when you don't have clear communication and misinformation gets out there, I think now there's going to be a lot of additional work that is going to be needed to assure these communities that their, their water is safe. The, um, I noted that um, Minister Guibault deleted a tweet last week after he was told it was inaccurate because the, uh, the testing has shown that there, to, the, to date, that there has been no leakage into tributaries or into water systems, and therefore no impact on wildlife and fish. And so I was pleased to see that he deleted that tweet. It's unfortunate that, once again, he put it out in the first place, because I think that that has contributed to an atmosphere of misinformation. So there needs to be good communication. That's very clear. I've said that from the beginning. And we are going to be working with the Alberta regulator as well as all of the energy industry players to make sure that when these things come forward, the term I've been using is tra radical transparency. People need to know what's going on so that they don't allow for misinformation to cause this kind of fear. Do you have a follow-up, Sarah? Yeah, sorry. I guess just the part that I'm looking at is not the drinking water, although that uh, First Nations are saying that they have concerns that with the snow melting, um, there may be... Um, contamination and that they want the testing to continue on. But I guess the part that I'm referring to from um, that press release is uh, based on our current information, the seepage is believed to be uh, deleterious or harmful to fish. Believed to be. But as I said before, 
There is, uh, this is something Imperial Oil has been very concerned about, as has the Alberta Energy Regulator, as has Alberta Environment, uh, that if uh, there is a seepage that gets into water systems, it could cause these concerns. There's no evidence at this point that that has occurred, which is why all three uh, bodies that I mentioned have been doing testing. It's why First Nations have been invited in to do their own testing. It's why we have uh, worked collaboratively with the federal government to make sure that we're all sharing the same information. Uh, but at, at this point, I think uh, Imperial Oil has put the information out that there is uh, no reason to believe that this has gotten into uh, any uh, water body to impact wildlife or to uh, impact drinking water. And I think that's the important thing. People need to know their drinking water is safe. Okay, operator, let's go to our last caller, please. Thank you. Audrey Navo, Radio Canada. Hi, thank you for taking my question. It is for Minister Copping. I I'm just unclear as to when the medication will be available in pharmacies. Is it today? Yes, it is It is available right now. No, I just... Not in all of not in all of them. Uh, Shannon, are they here right now? Is we it? We have some in our location. We have some in our location. Uh, yeah, so so there's some available. They're still being distributed throughout the province, uh, but it is available uh, right in this, uh, this drugstore right now. Okay, thank you. And as a follow-up, is the unusual dosage of this particular brand of medication complicating the negotiations with other provinces who could be interested in buying that medication? Uh, no, the the, um, the the initial conversation that I had, I said it's a different dosage. But just to be clear, uh, there is it's it's not atypical for different dosages to be out there. There is actually right now kids versus adult uh, adult um, uh, medicine and different dosages uh, on that. Uh, so I have made them aware, and we're still in conversations with uh, with a number of provinces. Okay, thanks everybody.